My name is Angela. My name is Nicole. And welcome to the Ominous Stitch Podcast. Hello, Stitchers. Hola. (laughs) (laughs) Did I throw you off? Yes, you did. (laughs) Welcome to another amazing episode of the Ominous Stitch Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. When I listen to myself on the podcast, I'm like, wow, I talk so fast. Do you really? (laughs) I don't know. I talk fast too, so I don't know. Sometimes I talk really fast. I'm like, how am I talking that fast? And I don't understand what I'm saying. I'm like called caffeine, everybody. Oh, yeah, it is definitely (laughs) called caffeine. I was teaching a lesson the other day and about halfway through the lesson, my my coffee like totally kicked in in and I was just like, (laughs) and was flying off the walls. And she was looking at me like, are you okay? (laughs) I'm like, I get a lot of energy when I'm teaching because I'm breathing correctly and I, well, I'm breathing correctly. I'm channeling my energy correctly. And so that really feeds energy for me. Plus I'm doing something that like I'm, I know I'm really good at. (laughs) And it feels good. Yeah. And, and so, and then by the end of the lesson, I'm just like, whoa, and I'm so amped. But then I also had coffee. Do you crash too though? Because that's oh, what happens for me. Hours afterwards, yes, yeah. I'll crash. You go boop, boop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I feel after I podcast. Oh, is it? Yeah, I'll oh, get home and, and I'm like, like, I'm, I'm so exhausted. Tired. Yes. You guys, this takes a lot you. out of us. It does. <laughs> <laughs> We're two old ladies trying to do a podcast here. Oh, Nicole. But we love it. We do. So, Nicole, what has you in stitches? Okay, you know what? This is the cutest story ever, and I'm going to post a picture eventually. (gasps) So this weekend, I even... I texted Miss Angela here. I was like, guess what my kids are learning to do? And they're obsessed with it. It's so sweet. (laughs) I got so happy. I was like, yay! So they're learning how to crochet, and they can't, like stop every day now they're like can we crochet because it's a fidget toy yes it's the original fidget toy which i think is really great for your youngest one because he needs to focus and so this helps and he's like i want you to teach me i'm like i'll teach you but i want you to watch these youtube videos first Mm -hmm. and thank the lord they're there like i forgot exactly i'll give you a shout out later but there's this one website where it's just our youtube video channel that has like kids beginner YouTube oh, for, for crocheting. Awesome. Yeah, so they learned how to do their slip knot, and my youngest uh-huh. calls it zip knot. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> you keep saying that. I'm like, no, it's slip it's knot. It's a zip knot. So they were so proud of themselves that my youngest had to put it on a plaque and, and title it. Oh my god! <laughs> so he created his first chain. And oh, he... <laughs> that's so cute! Look how happy he is. That's the biggest grin I've ever seen on him. He's so happy. Oh, I love it. So, He's so proud. Yeah. So later on, we're gonna actually go to Michaels or Joanne Fabrics. I don't know. They want their own hooks. <gasps> they want their own yarn. I love it. Yes, it's adorable. Oh. So it just makes my heart happy that they're like not watching screens or playing video games. They want to crochet. Oh, isn't it that's weird? Awesome. Like, okay, no, that's awesome. Kudos. So. We can uh, add them to our workforce. Yeah, <laughs> they'll be our. This is how you make labor. a beanie. <laughs> our child labor. I love it. They oh. want to though. They keep asking, like, when are we gonna have our shop? Because they want us help sell. Yeah, they're like, do so you guys want to shop from the Ominous Stitch podcast? Yeah. We want to make one. 
So we'll just be, be on yeah, the lookout for Let us know. That. Like if you have things that you're like, oh, I really want this crocheted, like we're on it. <gasps> yeah. Let us know yeah. if there's something that you really want. We take requests. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? So we'll do that for you guys. I but love it. One day we'll get it up. We'll get a shop going. We really want that. We just, both of us are so busy. <laughs> yeah. So busy. Yeah. So we'll get it. But anyway, We're trying. Yes. Yeah. So well, we have kids to help though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> your youngest likes to crochet My youngest too, right? loves to crochet. Yeah. So as soon as your boys start bringing hooks and yarn over, she'll okay. show them how to make her little famous dot Perfect. that she makes. So my youngest makes, she only knows how to do a single crochet. She doesn't want to learn any other stitches. She just, and she figures this out on her own. She's That's like, so I'm going cool. to make my own pattern, mom. <gasps> And so she makes her own little patterns and she makes these things we call dots. I don't know how she learned how to increase and decrease or what she what is did she doing? to figure out how to make these <laughs> circles. But she makes a, she's doing a circle and then she stuffs it and then closes it and, and has like two little eyeballs on it. And that that's her little dot. so cute. <laughs> They're really cute. She makes them and gives them to her friends all the time. She made a really big she one. She gave me one. She gave you one. That's yeah. so sweet. But she used all my stuffing, so I have no more <laughs> stuffing to make any anything else that I want to make with Omega Rumi. Big box of polyfill. <laughs> I do, I do. Maybe I'll ask for that for Christmas. Ooh, I need some polyfill. Let's do it. That'd be good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Angel, what's got you in stitches? Okay, so little Miss Susie Homemaker here. I had my mother-in-law over to teach me how to make jam. Because <laughs> you got a farm. I have a farm. And we froze a bunch of our fruit that we picked over the summer. So we made oh. 23 half pint jars of apricot jam. All and then apricots. we ran out of sugar. And so <laughs> we had to stop. So I bought more sugar. So I still have some uh, peach jam that I need to Ooh, make and yum. raspberry jam Ooh, I need to make. I like raspberry so, jam. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm like, I'm making jam. It's Look so at you fun. go. You're and being it's so old. good. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a grandma. I love it. Oh. I'm a grandma with a nine-year-old. Oh. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Just say you're, 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 you know, you got a farm. You've got an excuse. It's yeah, totally okay. Yeah. <laughs> old Michangela had a farm. <laughs> E-I-E-I-O. But no, it's really fun. I, I enjoy I'm gonna making get a jam. jam. Yes, you I'm are. Gonna I'm going to give you some jam. I'm and it's so, so good. I had some on my waffles this morning. Waffles. It was really good. I love waffles. it. Are you going to try any other fruit? Do you grow any other fruit that you could do that for? Yeah, I was thinking of doing it with fig. Like a fig Ooh. and apricot jam would be really tasty. Okay. But I already used all my apricots. Dang and it. So <laughs> I'll get there. Ooh, and... Uh-huh. Okay, another another couple. I'm adding on to my thing because we're. It. I guess my theme is farms. So we found another surprise squash plant. I have to show you. We grew a zucchini that Ooh. is the size of my youngest's head. Whoa. So let me show you this okay. zucchini. So here's the picture of the zucchini. It's bigger than her head. Look. Dang, it's huge. <laughs> Where'd you find that? In the ravine. So we have this ravine and it's like, there was a short story that we read of this one acre farm, but the people thought they were buying like a hundred acres, but it was really one acre with a hundred acres underneath it or something. And it was water. Do you remember this story? You may have been in England when you were little and reading this, but if anybody remembers the name of the story, let me know. But the, the thing was like, it was full of water and then something happened and all the water just went away, but it was insanely fertile. So the second a seed hit the ground, the James and the giant peach? monster, no, it's not James and the giant peach, but it's similar to that, but okay. a monster, um, plant would grow there. And so that's what I feel like is happening in the ravine. It's just so insanely fertile. 
because That's of all crazy. the rain that we get. We just are growing random things. I love it. And so we grew this zucchini that we found. We were just in there cleaning out some of the other plants that are growing in there and weeds and stuff. And we were like, oh, <laughs> look at this zucchini. zucchini. <laughs> <laughs> and we found, I think it's a cantaloupe plant. <gasps> so I think we're growing a cantaloupe. They don't grow on trees? No, they're melons. They they oh, it's duh. like a patch, yeah. <laughs> I would be terrible on so a farm. So at guys. first I thought it was a squash, but now it's starting to get the webbing on it like a cantaloupe. That's cool. And then I had a gardener here the other day and he's like, Oh yeah, that's cantaloupe. Oh, they're and gonna like, help cool. yeah. Yay. Yay. So I'm like, we're growing cantaloupe now. You got so many types of yeah, fruits and veggies. So I much love stuff. It. So it's exciting. Farm love life it. is rad, man. Woo-hoo. Farm life. <laughs> oh man so i'm excited for today i don't don't even know i have no idea what we're doing today this is like (laughs) this has been a theme i feel like you're keeping them from me but i think it's just more fun that way it's 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 way fun it's a surprise and then my reactions are insane because i'm like i don't know what those are genuine yeah okay they're always genuine because i know very little about a lot of things that's why i love this podcast i learned so but you've got a cool stitch to show me that I found somewhere, I think, at one point. But okay, this is know. this is a moment of kismet, but we'll yeah. talk about that when we get <gasps> stitching. So should we get stitching? Real quick, though? Yes. That word I'm using in my story time. Kismet. Oh, what? See? It's this scary. is it. We're channeling each other. This is nuts. Okay. It's because we haven't seen each other in so long. I know. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's get stitching. Okay, so this week is a stitch that I talked about briefly before, because I think it was when I was doing the bag. I was doing the the Lunda bag number six. Didn't you do this one, though, at one point, though? Well, sort of. So I did, I'm talking about the half herringbone but you've or done the a, half double herringbone crochet right. stitch. But you've done I've a done bone. a herringbone That's stitch right. before. Oh, okay. And it was it did use a half double crochet, but it was different and it makes a herringbone pattern. Right. This is the half double herringbone stitch. Oh, okay. Okay, so it's different. It's a half double crochet, but it's done just a little bit differently that makes to make a really nice to make pattern. a really cool pattern. Okay. And I used this stitch on a blanket that I made for my daughter. This was the so very first pretty. blanket that I made. And we may have shown an example of it when I was talking about bobbles. That's right. But the the herringbone that I used in the middle of it or the half double crochet that I used in the middle of it is all half double herringbone crochet. And I learned this stitch courtesy of Oh, hello. I'm in my microphone now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. When you move your head. So I, this is, um, I learned this stitch on, let's see. I learned this stitch on Daisy Farm Crafts. And they do a whole tutorial on the herringbone half double crochet on Daisy Farm Crafts. So you can go to daisyfarmcrafts.com, type in herringbone half double crochet. They probably have a video. I love that website. That was one of the first websites you that I went to. Yeah, yeah. They have really beautiful, simple patterns, but I really like the color choices that they use that, nice. that make it look really elegant. And, I and like neat. that. So yeah, Daisy Farm Crafts are really fun. So I recommend them. Okay. But the herringbone half double crochet is a lot like a regular half double crochet. So I'm going to show Nicole so she can see this. Yes, so she can visualize I want to know. Okay. So the kismet part of this is I told her I was going to show her the stitch today and she goes, 
there is a pattern that I want to do that called for that stitch yep. and I don't know don't what that know how stitch to do is. It. And they explain it. I'm like, I still don't understand. So I need her to show me. <laughs> and it's really funny because I had no idea that she nope. wanted to learn this stitch. Exactly. And I'm just doing it today. And so it's perfect. Yeah, kismet. Yes. And kismet. there's the word that she's going to be using later on. It's so. the magic word today, everybody. That is. <laughs> it's the magic word. Everybody scream. Ah! <laughs> okay. So when you okay. do a regular... Um, half double crochet. Okay. You yarn over, mm -hmm. insert your hook uh -huh. into both loops, yarn over, pull up a, a loop. Uh -huh. You have three loops on your hook, yarn over, pull through all three. Okay. That's a regular half double crochet. Right. Yes. Okay. For the half double herringbone, the difference is this. Okay. So you're going to yarn over, insert your hook mm -hmm. into the loops, yarn over, pull up a loop, you have three loops on your hook, but only momentarily because you're going to take that first loop and pull it through your first loop. What? So now you have two loops on your hook. Why would you Then okay. you yarn over and pull through all two. Interesting. So you kind of leave one alone. Like you so I'm going to show you again. Yeah. You're going to yarn over, uh -huh. insert your hook into the loops, yarn over, pull up a loop, pull that loop through the very first loop so you before three loops. you yarn over. No, you only oh, have now two. you have two because you took away the I took one. away the loop. So now I'm going to yarn over, have, and then pull through that through and the second two. And that's why it's half. Okay. So that, it makes it a half double crochet because you aren't yarning over and pulling All, through two like loops, two yarn two. over and two and two. It's yarn over, pull through one, then yarn over, pull through two. I got it. So again, again, yarn over, okay. insert your hook, uh -huh. yarn over, pull up a loop, and you're going to pull that loop through that very first loop. Then you have two loops on your hook, and then you yarn over and pull Easy. through this Easy. I could do that. That's it. Yarn over, insert your hook, pull up a loop, pull that loop through that first loop. Just that first two loop. Two loops on your hook, yarn over, pull through two. Got it. That's the I herringbone do that? half double. I could totally yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. They explain it on paper, and I'm like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> loop. Oh, do this loop, do this. Yeah, you have I'm to like, see it. I'm so a visual learner. The difference is after you yarn over and bring it back through the 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 stitch, yeah. you pull through that first loop. That's the main difference. And then you yarn over and pull through the remaining two. Got it. Instead of yarning over and bringing it all the way through and then yarning over again to pull through yeah. all three. Yeah, that makes so Does much that sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's it. Cool. I could do that. Simple stitch. And it's so pretty. It's very pretty. And it makes a really unique little herringbone pattern uh -huh. in your half double crochet. So it just adds that little bit of extra interest that looks a little bit different. And you're like, ooh, what is that stitch? It's just a half double. You're just pulling through sooner than what you normally do. Right, right. So you just have to drop that one. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, now I know. Yay. Yay. So we'll, that's we'll it. We'll demo it at some point. We got to get back on our YouTube. Sorry, <laughs> we do. Everybody. We have to get back on our YouTube. We'll get on there. We will. We will. We promise. Okay. All I am right. so ready for story this time. This is going to be long and a doozy. I'm not going to split this up because I don't want to. We're going to have it in one episode. Okay. So let's get cracking. It's yeah. story time. magic word I knew it was kismet <laughs> <laughs> to discuss H H Holmes when I was watching the latest season of Loki have has anybody seen Loki have you watched it I have not oh have you seen I love Loki but I haven't watched one? no I haven't okay. watched any of it all right well they just recently which for you guys it's probably weeks later um it was uh the the season finale was was awesome so but I was watching it the third episode 
Loki and Mobius are in Chicago 1893 when oh. the World's Fair is happening. Uh-huh. And they bring up H.H. H. Holmes. And okay. I was like, cool, right? Yeah. So if he's mentioned on a famous Disney show, then you know H.H. H. Holmes is infamous in the U.S. for being one of the first serial killers. <gasps> no. Oh, yeah. Okay. From his own autobiography, Holmes was quoted stating... Yes, I was born with the devil in me. Oh. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer. Now the movie makes sense. (laughs) No more than a poet can help the inspiration to song, nor the ambition of an intellectual man to be great. Mm. So I have only one. There's like not very many photos of him. Mm -hmm. That's like one of two. So he knew he was born evil. Oh, that's crazy. That's what he thinks. Okay. He's this guy, man. Oh, slippery little. Uh oh. So much. I'm going to be so mad, huh? Yes. Ah. Don't make me care about him first. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) Okay. So before he, we knew him as H. H. Holmes. He was born Herman Webster Mudgett, May 16th, 1861, in Gilmanton, New Hampshire. His father Levi was more of a farmer, but he was also a trader and house painter, and his mother uh, was a stay-at-home mom. And her, her name was Theodate, I'm going to say. Oh, interesting. Theodate. Theodate. His parents were known to be devout Methodists. And it is said he had a privileged childhood and was showing signs of unusual intelligence. That's what they used. That's fun. Hmm. He's very smart. However, there were reports his father was a heavy drinker and abused his family. Hmm. So he did have not okay. the greatest household. Also, his father and others were a little disturbed by Herman because... He never fully looked anyone in the eye, which oh. caused a lot of anxiety in social settings. But they yeah. eventually found out he had a medical condition called strabismus, strabismus, okay. also known as hypertropia or crossed eyes, oh. which basically his eyes were misaligned. Okay. Mm-hmm. This plus his super intelligence may have been why Herman was bullied as a kid. Mm. He had high anxiety issues and the bullying on top of this made it worse. These older kids would get a kick out of telling Herman stories about the pharmacy or the doctor's office around the corner and how there were decaying bodies and strange things inside. Oh, weird. Yeah. One memorable incident. The boys dragged Herman into the doctor's office where they had rigged an anatomic human skeleton to scare him. Oh, they were even able to manipulate the skeleton's hands and put them on his face. Oh, no. Yeah. Even though the smile creeped him out, somehow the incident helped him overcome his worries and he morbidly became intrigued and even obsessed with death and dead bodies. Uh oh. Yeah. He eventually took to dissecting live animals no. to really get a look into the anatomy and skeletal structures. Oh no. And apparently he kept them alive as long as he could while cutting them open. <gasps> no. Yeah. He, I mean he was very medical oh. about it, but at the same time, that's pretty that's pretty grotesque. That's yeah. Oh no. So as I mentioned, Herman was super intelligent to the point that he graduated in 1887 at the age of 16. He was also able to take on different jobs and even became a teacher at the age of 16. What? <laughs> yeah, back then, you oh could do whatever goodness. you want apparently. Soon though, he fell in love with a girl named Clara A. Lovering, another 16-year-old. Some say Herman knew her in high school, but it's not 100% how they met. But he was smitten to the point that he saw her talking to another boy at church who seemed to like her as well. But as soon as he was alone, 
Herman threatened him. Uh oh. Yeah. That next day, he told all his friends they were engaged. <gasps> Did yeah. he talk 16. to her? Did he ask her? Pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be weird. I'm like, mm. on July 4th, 1878, in Alton, New Hampshire, him and Clara wed in secret since they knew their parents wouldn't be happy about it. Uh oh. But just a few months later, they did find out. I mean, who can't? Because, right. You know, can't lie to your folks. And sure enough, they indeed thought they were too young. However, they couldn't change their minds. And so Clara's folks hooked Herman up with a job at the local grocery store since Clara's uncle owned it. Oh, so was teaching not working out for him? I anymore? guess not. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. So they're like, let's get a better job. I don't know how that's better. But anyway. Uh, for over a year, Clara still lived with their parents while they were married. And every weekend, Herman would walk over nine miles to spend time with her. Oh, my God. And then return every Monday morning back to his home. So you kids think you have it rough. <laughs> you got to walk nine, <laughs> nine miles. miles to see my wife at 16 years old. Oh, wow. That's strange. On February 3rd, 1880, they had their first baby, Robert Lovering Mudgett. Herman was able to become a certified public accountant at that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And served as a city manager of Orlando, Florida. Oh, huh, yeah. Okay. But Holmes' passion was in the medical field. So 19 year old Herman enrolled in the University of Vermont in Burlington. Herman moved to a boarding home near the school. However, Clara still lived in her parents' home with the baby. Holmes had a roommate named Fred Ingalls, who was an upstanding kind of guy. And Herman told Fred he needed to keep his marriage under wraps. What? Shady. That's very shady. Yeah. But Fred, being the kind of guy he was, agreed to keep his secret only if he kept it in his pants and didn't try to date anyone in the boarding house or the university. Herman mm -hmm. agreed, but, but Herman lived by Herman's rules. Mm. And somehow he was charming to the point he was known almost as a ladies' man. Isn't that weird? Gross. Yeah. He's married with a baby, dude. He started flirting with the landlady's daughter. Hmm. And this really pissed Fred off. And so yeah. he went and told everyone Holmes was already taken and, in fact, married. And this caused a lot of tension between the two to the point they got into an actual fist fight over oh, some what? mustache wax that Herman thought Fred took without asking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So Fred ended up with the black eye. So he got pretty violent with him. Mm-hmm. Now, Herman wasn't a huge fan of that school and thought he needed better instruction because, again, he's pretty high, you know, um, high intelligence. Yes. Yeah. So he hired a tutor and even set up his own chemistry lab in his room. And that wasn't all. His landlady was cleaning Herman's room one day and to her surprise discovered a completely intact and preserved cadaver of a baby under his bed. Oh, no. Yeah. Now, most likely the body was a medical specimen, but who exactly knows where and how he acquired it? Oh, my gosh. So he's doing some this crazy. dude. Yeah. He's very involved with looking at the anatomy. But like. To the point of taking body's home dude this this oh wow Ugh. okay i've like <laughs> so many thoughts about herman like okay well first of all how nice is it that your landlady comes and cleans your room oh my gosh <laughs> right? at that's like your mother i guess i'm guessing she gets kind of paid for it too I don't know. yeah and then like i 
he's already not cool because, you know, he left his wife and baby. And I understand you were 16 when you met her and then, ooh, the world. But, right? like, he was in Florida. He, like, bounced around he's a bouncing lot. everywhere. Yeah. yeah on the East he's, Coast. He can't be settled. and nope. and Exactly. He, mm-hmm. And it's all about him. It's all about him. Yeah. He doesn't care about his wife and baby. Nope. He's like, I think, you know, as a 16-year-old, he was like, ooh, I want to. got hormones. Yeah, I've got it. hormones. Ugh. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, look what hormones land you. A baby. Let's <laughs> pretend I'm not married at all. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So Herman, again, still wasn't happy with the university. Um, and he also ran out of money. So he ended up back home after just like one semester there and found another teaching job to survive, although he didn't like it. And apparently he was so extremely rough on the students and used corporal punishment oh no thankfully the students were able to submit student evaluations hey oh that yeah they were all terrible and he was fired good yeah 1882 herman moved to michigan with his wife and baby to oh attend, so they're back they're okay. back together to attend the university of michigan's department of medicine and surgery and clara became a dressmaker this was the first time Holmes' wife and baby were all living together at the age of 21. Oh, wow. But Holmes was quite bummed because he felt they were holding him back. <laughs> and I feel like that's what happens when you get married. Uh, that, yeah, 17 years old. Come on. Yeah, you start, you know, you're laying down roots. They're going to hold you. Yep. Like That's what happens. But Clara was financing his schooling, so he couldn't really object to them being there with him. <sighs> And sadly, it was known that Herman and Clara fought constantly to the point he was physically abusing her. Mm. When Clara was out in public, she would be often spotted with a black eye. But she got fed up with Herman's abuse. Good girl. And just him as a person. And she took Robert and left back to New Hampshire in 1884. At this point, Clara and Robert never had any more contact with Herman after this. Good for them. Mm -hmm. Smart girl, Clara. She left. Uh, that same year, 23-year-old Herman graduated from the University of Michigan Medical School. So he, he's really quick through everything. Yeah. Holmes seemed to be relieved at that point with Claire and Robert's departure. He then declared to all his classmates that he was going to go to Africa for medical charity work and even announced it in the local newspaper. <laughs> but <laughs> being the pathological liar he was, mm-hmm. let's note that right now, mm-hmm. he never did travel to Africa. Instead, he ended up going back to New Hampshire after graduation. Back here, he, this is where let's all get super shady and he just throughout his whole life. He thought to make a buck off of the smallpox outbreak that happened in his town. So he'd go around offering smallpox vaccines from door to door after the outbreak. And then he was charging 25 cents, which is six fifty today. That's not too much. Mm-hmm. No one was buying it. So then he decided to change his tactic and fool everyone into believing he was an official from the health board and told everyone it was mandatory to take it. And uh, that worked. Yeah. He then used that money to create his own laboratory to create his own patent medicine, but that mm. fizzled out. He didn't have enough and it just didn't work. In 1885, Herman racked up a staggering amount of debt. So he left to Pennsylvania, where he mm. found a job as a psychi- at a psychiatric hospital. And apparently, he was still scamming people here as well. I don't know exactly what he was doing, but he was still making a buck off of not being very honest. 
Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. And at this point, Herman began planning some even more crazy schemes because it delighted him to take money from others. So he and a college friend decided to dabble in insurance fraud. Oh. Herman's friend would take out a life insurance policy <gasps> on, a, um, on his friend who had a wife and daughter. That's his partner in crime. Okay. Uh-huh. Then Herman would scribble out a murder-suicide note and leave it next to the quote-unquote family's dead bodies. But really, they were medical cadavers. Herman, oh. yeah, and then Herman would send his friend and family out of town. Herman then posed as a family member to collect that insurance money, and then he'd split it with his friend. Herman was <sighs> able to supply the bodies by purchasing them from medical schools. Medical schools, and yes, at this point in history, bodies could easily come and go in the name of science. That's so That's so sad. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's insane. But. Then, after researching about how insurance companies were looking for specific details about each of the family members, Herman realized he needed to find bodies that looked exactly like the family. So mm-hmm. he ended up calling off the scheme. In May of 1886, Herman moved to Chicago, where this is where he was infamously known in history. So there in Chicago, Herman became smitten with 24-year-old Myrta Z. Belknap. Not much is known about her and how they met. We do know she was a clerk in a music store. Mm. Herman proposed to Myrta and she agreed. However, remember how Herman's still married to Clara, right? Yeah, he never took care of that. So Herman still ended up marrying Myrta, but in an unofficial ceremony. And since the state of Illinois didn't know anything, Mm -hmm. he now now had Two wives. Two wives. Uh-oh. And supposedly Myrna never even knew he was previously married. So. Well, I'm sure he's not going to tell her. No. And nobody knows him. Nobody so. knows him. And this is the birth of H.H. Holmes, Herman Howard, because he needed to drop his mudget name. Oh. So that's his new name. Now, Holmes tried to file for divorce from Clara, claiming infidelity on her. Oh, gosh. (laughs) And also that he cared for Robert for the last few years, so he didn't have to pay child Child support. support. (laughs) But the divorce proceedings never went through. And because he changed his name, he was like, okay, whatever. We're we're good to go. (laughs) So so he's still married to two people (sighs) with the changed name. Dude. Soon, Holmes found a job as a manager of a local drugstore, and in his mind, he wanted to own the store eventually. (laughs) So in order to buy it at a fraction of the price it was worth, Holmes schemed to steal items from the store. Summer of 1886, more and more products would go missing, and soon the couple who owned the store had to sell it because they were going broke. Uh, His corrupt plan worked, and he bought the pharmacy for a fraction of what it was worth. Then, to make matters worse, Holmes refused to pay what he owed the couple. Ah. Yeah. The previous owners threatened to file a lawsuit against Holmes, which then forced him to finally pay up. But he was really like, I'm not going to pay you. Uh, What can you do? What a jerk, dude. Yeah. This is. I mean, yes, he's a jerk. Story of his life. Yeah. Yeah. It just gets worse. The following year. Holmes saved up enough money to purchase the plot of land across the street from the current pharmacy on 63rd Street. To avoid any future problems and being the weasel he was, he first listed Myrta as the owner of the property, but then later changed it to Myrta's mother, Lucy. Mm-hmm. So properties under her. Okay. Okay. Architects drew up a two-story plan with a drugstore on the bottom. He was going to move that pharmacy across the street. And the second story was to be apartments. The blueprints Holmes had in mind had some unusual plans, though. 
There is a secret room that you can enter from the rear of the drugstore, as well as a hidden staircase that held its entrance behind a trap door in a bathroom on the second floor. Um, yeah. <laughs> Not shady. <laughs> Eventually, eventually a third floor was added, but I'm going to discuss this later. Okay. Eventually, people knew this building as the murder castle. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. So if you ever hear that, that's we're referring to that building. Murder castle. By the end of 1887, Holmes began construction of his building, but was still doing some shady things for it. For example he decided to buy an enormous safe on credit, but had it placed in the new building and had workers build the pharmacy around the safe. He then refused to pay for the vault and the company said, well, I guess we're going to have to come repossess it. Holmes said, cool, but hey, if you damage any of my property trying to remove it, I'm going to sue you. (laughs) So that Uh safe company called his bluff, came down to his building that was still being worked on and realized it would be impossible to remove this huge, heavy safe without having to knock down some walls. Yeah. So they were forced to leave it in Holmes' possession. <sighs> shady, shady, shady. That's, uh, I'm some shady. Yes, I'm really shady. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Holmes also continued to ignore the debt and bills he was racking up, and he accrued 60 lawsuits over an eight-year span. But he basically threw his mother-in-law in the way of it all since her name was on all the formal papers. Oh, And no. she was liable for the debt. Oh. But oh. she didn't do anything. It was like, it was all at her. And she's like, I don't have anything to do with it. So that they couldn't do anything at that time. Oh, man. And also, there wasn't much the creditors could do since he didn't, le- like I said, legally own the property. Mm-hmm. And they also, he didn't have much to repossess because he either sold things off quickly that he was like on loan, on credit, right? Uh-huh. Or he hid them, which I'll oh. mention again soon. Yeah. Okay. Once the building was complete, the pharmacy was relocated to the first floor and his employees started to notice weird things about homes. For instance, he would regularly tell housekeepers he was going out of town and would be out for the night. But that same night... He was supposed to be gone. The housekeepers would run into him in the new building and he'd come up with some random excuse as to why he was there. Hmm. Weird. Mm-hmm. Also, the drugstore employees blatantly knew about the hidden room and secret compartments that was built inside the new building. They were very curious as to why, but they never really thought it was a huge enough deal to bring it up to home. So they're like, yeah, there's a secret room back there, <laughs> but uh, we'll just uh, not just yeah. ignore it. Yeah, yeah. One time, Holmes asked an employee to walk into the large safe in the store. You know, the one he swindled. Mm-hmm. But then as he was shutting the door on him to lock it, he asked his employee to scream as loud as he could. <gasps> Upon its closure, Holmes observed that it was nearly soundproof. Oh, man. <laughs> that wouldn't like send red, red, flag, flags, red flag, right? Red flag. red flag warning. Red flag yeah. warning. He did reopen the vault to let the employee out. But how scary would that have been? Yeah, I would be like, no. Is this for no? your money? Yeah. What are you doing this for? <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, and I quit. So yep, I'm um, done. Yeah. Oh. And even though the lawsuits kept on coming and against Mirta and her mom, because mm. again, they're all legal listed on those legal documents. Yep. Mirta was oblivious of Holmes' shadiness oh. and stayed married to him. Mirta. In 1889, when Holmes was 29 and Mirta was 28, they welcomed their first baby together, a daughter named Lucy after Mirta's oh. mother. 
how sweet. <laughs> but you know, Holmes is M.O. Yeah. He was a serial bigamist and couldn't stay with just one gal. I mean, he's got nope, he's two. He's like, oh, right? she's got a baby now. Yes. I got to d- cut and run. So he started cheating on Myrta soon after their baby was born with one of his employees, Julia Smith, mm. the wife of Dr. Ned Connor, who ah. worked at Holmes's pharmacy ah. jewelry counter. Ah. Yeah, the couple lived on the second floor of his complex. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Other tenants could hear the Connors bickering and fighting constantly in their apartment. And a year into their secret affair, Julia and her he- husband, Ned, split up. Ned moved out. But because Holmes loved to humiliate people, he soon found Ned. He, like, chased him down and told him he'd been sleeping with Julia even providing intimate details about her that no one else would have known. Gross, dude. Now, the theory was that this affinity for humility was created when he was humiliated by those bullies as a kid. So ever since then, he gets such a rush doing it to others. But Holmes used Julia in his cons and schemes just like Myrta, and Julia still stuck with him until 1891. That's so bad. And... Both ladies didn't, still didn't know about each other. How? Because he's sneaky. <sighs> now things took a turn for the worse. December 1891. Julia was invited to her sister's wedding in Iowa. And this got Julia very excited. On Christmas Eve, Julia and her daughter Pearl, six years old, spent the evening with the Crows. They were neighbors in Holmes's apartment complex. And they recalled she was super happy to go visit her and they were only going to stay for a week or two. Mm -hmm. On Christmas Day, the crows left the building to visit friends. Later that evening, when they returned, they saw Julia and Pearl's apartment completely boarded up. Uh Uh-oh. This is only a day. Yeah. When Holmes was notified, he seemed concerned and even went looking for them. But not long after their disappearance, Holmes began to show her apartment to rent. With all of Julia's belongings still in there. Dude, that's not sus at all. Come on. Seriously. A lady that was looking at the apartment thought it was a little odd as there was still belongings on the floor and even a plate and a cup on the table. Oh, my gosh. Holmes even tried to sell Julia's clothing to the new (gasps) tenant, but she declined. After Christmas Eve of 1891, no one ever saw Julia or Pearl again. Oh, Holmes. At that time, Holmes would tell acquaintances that she had to leave unexpectedly to to be with her dying sister. Later, he changed... The one that was getting married? Yeah, I don't know. Different one, maybe? No idea. Dying sister. Uh-huh. Later, he changed his story to Julia having to flee from Ned, her former husband. Mm-hmm. But years later, Holmes told somebody that he indeed killed her. But during interrogation years later, he said that he had gotten Julia pregnant, and I'm guessing he convinced her to get an abortion. At that Mm -hmm. time, abortions were very risky and had a high death rate. Also, Holmes had no experience with them, even though he loved to dissect a new anatomy. So she most likely died on the operating table. So he tried to perform the abortion? Yes. Oh, man. But what happened to Pearl? So Pearl most likely died by Holmes's hands. Yeah. No one knows exactly how, but after investigating the so-called murder castle, they did find partial child skeleton in the cellar. Oh, oh. 
heartbreaking. Now, the 19th century is full of people trying to discover cures for everything. I'm sure you know that, right? <laughs> yeah, a bunch of snake oil salesmen. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So I have a feeling that our friend Mr. Holmes was one of those. Of course of he was. Of course. But yeah, I was like, remember in the Mammoth Caves when he, like, that doctor tried to put everybody oh, down? Oh, yeah. That was in 1840. <laughs> the fresh air <laughs> in the cave is going to solve your it's tuberculosis. Be okay. Yeah. Yeah, so traditional medical practices relied on bloodletting, blistering, Mm -hmm. and high doses of mineral poisons. Mm -hmm. Smart. Mm -hmm. So when Holmes got wind of a vaccine that allegedly cured alcoholism. Oh, no. (laughs) He wanted to create his own concoction. Uh Uh-huh. In May of 1892, Holmes proposed his own treatment for alcoholism. He called it the Silver Ash Institute based on the gold cure he heard about, but using silver instead. <laughs> so, yeah, this was obviously fake, but uh-huh. he was convincing. Now, he heard about the gold cure from a lady he hired from an employment agency named uh, Emmeline Grand. Before working for Holmes, she had worked at the institute where the gold cure was administered. Emmeline was extremely charming and he thought he could use her to manipulate customers. So, of course, he fell hard for her and wanted her. Of course. So once she started working for Holmes, he was constantly flirting with her Mm. and then obviously got her. They started courting and he had her live in various boarding houses because Holmes said he didn't want her to stay in one place longer than a week. (laughs) Because then his wife. Or the other wife or, or the girlfriend. Or anybody, yeah. yeah. Holmes did indeed take advantage of her borrowing tons of money from her or selling uh. her phony shares, giving her forged documents. Uh. Yeah, Holmes, Holmes also convinced her to use fake names and claim she was a relative of his. Uh. Holmes also moved Myrta and Lucy to the suburbs and only came home once or twice a week. Oh, uh, man. Emmeline was very aware of Holmes's cons and antics, and she was perfectly fine with it. She also knew he was married, but Holmes convinced her he was going to leave his wife oh, for course. her. Of course. Of course. Oh, my gosh. Sadly, he viewed Emmeline as an object, of as course. all women, to help him uh, you know, get money, and that he knew he could control her. Yeah. Towards the end of 1892, Emmeline began telling everyone she was engaged, but she never said it was specifically Holmes. Usually, it was a made-up name, but many suspected it was him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like that, she disappears. Oh no! The last person to see her was Mrs. Lawrence, a friend Emmeline visited on December 6th. Emmeline tells Mrs. Lawrence that she's going to back home to Lafayette, Indiana for a short stay. And she also knows about uh, Mrs. Lawrence knows about her relationship with Holmes. When Mrs. Lawrence started to worry about Emmeline's disappearance of a few days with no word from her, she reached out to Holmes. Holmes then tells Mrs. Lawrence she left to get married. Which shocked her because she never knew of another partner. Right. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Mrs. Lawrence tries to question Holmes further. So he produces a stack of marriage announcement cards that state she was getting married to a Robert E. Phelps on December 7th. Remember she visited Mrs. Lawrence December 6th? Yeah. Uh. (laughs) Even Emmeline's folks received the wedding announcement in the mail. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And at that point, Holmes kind of like hid low and he... Went to his wife, Myrta, for a few days. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mrs. Lawrence uh. knew it was foul play, but she never reported him. And everyone else figured that 
Uh, they were having an affair, but he didn't outright murder her. Or did he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The speculation again was that Holmes found out Emmeline was pregnant. So another botched abortion. Uh, the book Devil in the White City by Eric Larson claims Holmes skins Emmeline from the waist up, <gasps> brings her out of his building in a trunk and ships the trunk to an articulator who further processes the body uh, and then sells her skeleton to medical science. Oh, It's hard to say, though, that this was exactly what happened because Holmes claimed he did a lot of things, but he was also a pathological liar. Right. More on that again. But. So that book, this the a book I brought up, which I'll talk about again. Mm-hmm. It's like supposedly a nonfiction book about his life, but I think there's a lot of elaborations because Holmes like said he did so much, right? But he didn't, and that's um, like I'm going to get into that again. So, okay. Yeah. At this point, Chicago was bustling as they prepared for the World's Fair in 1893. And that's when Holmes thought he wanted to set up a hotel for the occasion. Mm. Holmes borrowed as much money as possible to build a third floor to open the World's Fair Hotel. But his plan was to take all the money he could from the investors and then never pay them back of course of course why if someone gives his gives him money that's it that's it's it his. right He's not giving nope. anybody else money doesn't want to yeah <sighs> during the beginning of construction by laborers he hired he fired them one week later stating he had cutbacks and never paid them mm. then a few weeks later he hired different laborers and of repeats course. the situation oh. lets them go never pays them so that's his kind of mo there yeah People were lending, building, and construction tools and materials to homes left and right. And finally, they started to realize they'd been scammed out of their money because he never paid them back. Mm-hmm. They swarmed Holmes's building to repossess their property, but they were shocked to find Holmes already sold most of the furnishings and hardware and then hid the rest again. Turns out on the third floor, Holmes had laborers build secret doors and compartments and there Uh, he hid everything. And uh, note, though, the press spun this to say these secret doors and compartments was where Holmes was about to conduct his murders and hide bodies. But that's not what authorities found later. Yeah, that's just where he's hiding all the stuff that he stole from people. Exactly. The lawyers these lenders hired had to sift through piles and piles of paperwork. And after digging through it all, they'd found they couldn't find his name on anything. Of course not. Holmes technically didn't even own the building or any of the shell companies that were granted the loans. (laughs) Everyone knew he was a complete fraud, yet legally, no one could do anything about it. Legally. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So... Holmes was also on to his new mistress. Of course. 28-year-old Wilhelmina, or Minnie, Williams, former actress who moved to Chicago to find a steady job that was away from the theater. Holmes said he met her at an employment office in Chicago. However, it is believed they actually met in Boston several years earlier when he posed as Harry Gordon. Mm. Holmes offered her to work at the hotel as his personal stenographer, and she accepted. Minnie was smitten with Holmes and claimed to friends and family that she was soon engaged to a wealthy doctor. However, she never put his actual name in the letter she wrote or told people fake names. Mm -hmm. He then even pulled her into his cons and even conned her after he gained her trust. He manipulated her into transferring the deed of her property in Fort Worth, Texas, 
but to transfer it to one of his aliases, Alexander Bond. Oh, many. No. Yeah. No, this no. was then transferred over to his friend, Benjamin Patezel, with the alias of Benton T. Lyman. And Patezel's going to be coming back. Okay. Holmes and Williams started posing as husband and wife, and mm. they claimed they were Mr. and Mrs. Gordon. They moved into an apartment together in Lincoln Park, Chicago in June of 1893. Minnie's sister Nanny came to live with them at one point. Who knows how he was able to keep this under that table from Myrda again. <laughs> but <sighs> juggling two different families did stress him out. Well, yeah. Okay. At one point. Yeah. He has two. Like, Makes sense. He's living with them now. Uh -huh. At one point, Minnie's sister wrote to her aunt that they were going to Europe with her brother, Harry, and not to mm. worry about finances as he was going to take care of them. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. July 5th, 1893. Both Minnie and her sister Nanny were never seen again. Mm -hmm. During his confession to police oh later, gosh. yeah, uh -huh. Holmes said he stuffed Nanny's body into the trunk of a car and sunk it in Lake Michigan, but oh. then retracted that statement. See, you can't get a good hold on him because he's yeah. constantly telling you different things. Constantly lying. Yep. On July 7th, debt collectors showed up to find Minnie since her name was on many documents at that point. Right. But the apartment was completely empty. Yep. Because Minnie was dead. Yep. Ugh. By the time the girls disappeared, the third floor apartments were completed. I do that in air quotes because <laughs> they were in shambles. Uh-oh. Most of the rooms were missing furnishings. Some of the doors didn't even completely shut and they were filthy. Holmes never advertised the lodgings and there are no records of people staying in his hotel. My hunch is that if anyone ever did stay, it was under the table and dealt with in a shady way. But Makes that's sense. my yeah. theory. The blueprints were insane, though, because, again, there were secret passageways, trick sliding doors, closets that could lead into each room. Yeah. Oh, man. Rumors were that there was a body shoot that led straight to the uh, furnace, but that has never been proven. So heads up. That's a big part. Like people are like, oh, he's got a body shoot. No, we don't yeah, think that's part actually. of the legend. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So this is his hotel. There is a picture of it. Finally, there we go. Okay. So it's okay. huge. Yeah. It is massive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is such a crazy story. Mm hmm. On top of all of this, the only person allowed access to the third floor was Holmes himself, as he kept an office up there, which had an eight-foot safe lined with asbestos and an old large stove. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Holmes claimed he used it for experiments. However, after being arrested, they found unidentified women's jewelry <gasps> and buttons in the oh, stove. Oh, Holmes. So, There's a crematorium. So oh. there's some stuff that we just don't know exactly. But at that time, they didn't have enough, you know, For, they didn't forensic, forensic science. Exactly. What it is. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. August 1893. Holmes wanted to get rid of the hotel, even though the World's Fair wouldn't end in October. So a couple of you know, months early mm -hmm. on August 13th, tenants on the second floor saw him lugging heavy trunks out of the building. Uh oh. He was on his way to see Mirta and Lucy. But an hour later, tenants could smell burning tar and quickly realized the hotel was on fire. <gasps> Firefighters were able to extinguish the fire with damage to the roof and the third floor only. And everything else was okay and no one was injured. 
Funny enough, <laughs> Holmes took out multiple insurance policies on the building. Of course he did, because he knew he was going to set it on fire. <laughs> no one knows exactly how many people he could have killed during that fire, or d- due to that fire. As I mentioned earlier, there were no records of anyone staying there. So yeah, I was thinking yeah. maybe he lit it because there could have been bodies, but we don't know. So definitely getting rid of incriminating evidence. Now, the insurance people soon investigated more and noticed all insurance policies were taken out under the alias of H.S. Campbell. And no one could give a personal statement under this name. So they ended up canceling all the policies he filed. For sure, knowing he was a complete fraud and trying to swindle insurance companies, Holmes ended up jumping from hotel to hotel to avoid the authorities. (laughs) But oh, Holmes, man. this is so catch me if you can. Yes, but right? worse. But way worse. Because <laughs> he was just a car- con artist. Yeah, yeah this guy's no, a this guy's murderer. Killing people. Yeah. Holmes was able to evade them and he made his way on to his next victim. I mean, lady, Georgiana <sighs> Yoke, a 24 year old department store worker. And they may have met at the World's Fair. Hol- Sorry, that's okay. <laughs> my microphone. <laughs> Holmes told her his name was H.M. Howard and said he had changed his original name because his uncle wanted him to. See, his <laughs> uncle left him property in Texas after passing away, <gasps> and his uncle said he could only take it over if he changed his name to his uncle's name. Uh, I know. Uh, lie upon lie. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the property did exist, but it was formerly owned by deceased Minnie Williams. Right. Yes. In late November 1893, Holmes and Georgiana took a trip down to Texas without even telling Myrta. Like, she's still in the picture. He lied to Georgiana and said they needed to go to Texas to claim that property. His uncle left him. And before they arrived there, they ended up in Denver because he got married to Georgiana. Oh my yeah. God. Don't forget, he's technically still married to two other women. To two at this other point. women. So this is wife number three. Yes. <sighs> Myrta must have, I think she's being smart. Because, be. like, as soon as she gets involved in anything that her, that her husband does, like, he, that's when he she's kills them. Yeah, that's when he kills so them. So maybe she knew that. So yeah. maybe Protecting she's just like, I'm just going to ignore. <laughs> I'm going to be on my own world. Yeah. You do what you need to. And when he comes home, okay. But right? it's better when he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's not cool. Oh, Myrta. Yep. Okay. So they meet up with Benjamin Pitezel. Remember that oh, name? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That friend and shady con otter- artist in Fort Worth. Just a reminder, Benjamin Patezel was able to forge some documents so that he could transfer the deed that Minnie had owned to Holmes. He was the one that helped. There they started to build upon the property, but ensure exactly what they were building. But Holmes, again, kept up his shady dealings by getting the building materials on credit, then rented bicycles sold those to other people without returning them. (laughs) He then would buy horses around Texas with phony collateral, turning around and selling those off as well. At this point, police were on to Holmes and found out Minnie was a missing person and they started linking her to Holmes. But once he got wind of them snooping around, he bounced again in Mm -hmm. May of 1894. He was on his way to St. Louis, Missouri, and here he actually was arrested for the first time <gasps> in his life. But wow, he was caught taking multiple mortgages and loans against the same property. That was it. Uh, After a month of securing bond money, he got out and took off to Philadelphia. 
And then he's still married to Georgiana, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Is she like she's along for the ride? Yeah, she's still kind of okay. oblivious. In August, Patezel was able to hook up with him again. They decided to do another con. They thought, what if we do that con we did a long time ago? We'll fake Patezel's death, then replace the body with a cadaver. Again, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. September 1st, 1894. Holmes came over to Patezel's apartment in Philly, and the plan was for Patezel to pretend to be an inventor named B.F. Perry and to be killed and disfigured in a lab explosion. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Holmes found his friend getting drunk in his apartment. So Holmes just decided to give him more to drink and more Mm -hmm. and more. Holmes got him so drunk that the next steps he did slowly without a bat of an eye from Patezel, Holmes deliberately took out a rag and some chloroform and ended up killing his friend. So no fraud necessary. He then (laughs) took out a flammable chemical and burned off his face and hair. Oh my God. Then placed a pipe out to make it look like he died in an accidental explosion while lighting his pipe. Now, note later, Holmes confessed Pesezel was still alive when he used the chloroform, but autopsies revealed he was dead after. So he probably did set him on fire and then used the chloroform. It's messed up. Either way, he killed his friend. Yeah. I mean, he has no issues with torturing animals. No, he's going to torture these people. He's going to torture people. Soon after, he and Georgiana took off to St. Louis to tell uh, Patezel's family to bring them back to identify him and claim the insurance money. Mm. But when they arrived, Mrs. Patezel had already heard about her husband's death in the newspaper. She was super distraught at this, which this is funny. This kind of I wrote this in my notes. It reminds me of the Grinch. Uh, (laughs) Holmes lies to her to calm her down and told her he was still alive, but that they had to fake Benjamin's death in order to all claim the insurance money. She needed to come back with them to Philly to identify the fake body of her husband to get the money, though. We'll fix it up there. Right. And we'll bring it back here. Exactly. Okay. Total gotcha. There are contradicting reports about this next piece of this crazy story. Okay. One source says wife Carrie Alice Canning was escorted around the northern United States while she allowed him custody to three of her five children as they traveled around Uh. with homes. 13-year-old Alice, 9-year-old Nellie, and 7-year-old Howard. Uh. In September that year, Alice made it to Philly and she accompanied Holmes to the morgue to identify her father because either Carrie was really sick or she just wasn't there. But he used Alice, his little daughter. Oh my gosh. She ended up positively identifying her father as the body, which in turn paid out Holmes (sighs) $7,200. You know how much that is today? No, what? $257,683. Yes. Now, out of that money, guess how much Holmes sent back to Mrs. Patezel? $2. $500. Oh, okay. So a little bit more than $2. That's still, that's like generous of him. Oh my right? gosh. Which is roughly $17,894 I can't today. believe he used the baby to identify them. Yep. Ugh. He pocketed over $240,000 for murdering his friend. Then Mrs. Patezel was expecting her husband to come back out of hiding, right? Right, yeah. Devious Holmes claimed uh, Benjamin was waiting in Indianapolis for his family to start a new life. So this is where it gets weird. On October 10th, Holmes brought son, Howard Patezel, seven years old, Uh to a home in Indianapolis and cooked him up a meal 
laced with poison. Holmes then hacked up Howard's body, burning some on the stove and burying other parts on a nearby barn. Then a couple days later, Holmes convinced the two girls, Alice and Nellie, that their father was on the move again and had to meet them in Toronto. He also lied about Howard and said, oh, yeah, he's in the care of my cousin, Minnie Williams, and that he'd rejoin the family soon enough, which Mm -hmm. he wasn't wrong. But back in Philly, a single insurance investigator felt something was seriously off about the death of Benjamin Patezel. He was able to convince the president of the company to hire a detective from the Pinkerton Detective Agency to follow Holmes ah. and see what was going on with him. Holmes didn't know about this, but he did feel a little heat to hurry with his current plan with the Patezels. Holmes told Mrs. Patezel to get to New York along with her baby, and she complied, then somehow led Alice and Nellie to a rented home at 16 St. Vincent Street in Toronto. October 25th, 1894, he forces the girls into a large trunk and locks them inside. He then drilled a hole in the lid of the trunk and put one end of a hose through the hole, attaching (sighs) the other end to a gas line and ended up asphyxiating the two. He dug shallow graves in the cellar for them and burned their clothes in the furnace. My heart. (sighs) Yeah. After he killed those innocent girls, where and what did remain, uh, where and what he did remains a mystery. It is believed he and Georgiana traveled all over Northern America and Canada. He's still married to Georgiana. Georgiana still naive to what Holmes had been doing the last couple months. And they never stayed long in one place, but he was unaware of the Pinkerton detectives tracking him still. Mm hmm. November 13th, somehow he turned up in Boston where he was going to settle down, or so he thought. Right. The Pinkerton agency got in touch with the Boston Police Department, and they were able to arrest Holmes on November 17th. Huzzah! But they first charged him with horse thievery from Texas. Ah. Because they had they had nothing else on him. They they knew he there was problems with him. Yeah. But they couldn't nail it down. Right. So they had to interrogate him for the more sinister crimes. After questioning him about Minnie and Nanny Williams, the Batezels, and his building back in Chicago for weeks, uh-huh. Holmes produced lie after lie and spun so many different tales that the police's heads were spinning. Yeah. They knew he was slippery, but difficult to separate fact from fiction. Right. And no one could find any hard evidence of murder, but they knew he did some terrible things. Now, thankfully, July of 1895, Philadelphia City Detective Frank Geyer finally discovered Nellie and Alice Patezel's lifeless bodies in Toronto. Oh. Holmes now couldn't lie anymore about how they were hiding with their father. Yeah. His response to them finding the bodies. Well, I guess I'll hang for this. Oh, so he finally is like, okay, I can't lie my way out of this one. (sighs) Yeah, this guy. October 1895, Holmes went on trial for the murder of Benjamin Patezel and found guilty. His sentence, death by hanging. Yay. Police did not pursue. I mean, not char- yay, but yeah. yay. Police did not pursue charges for Alice and Nellie, which is sad. But knowing he was going to hang, I guess, was enough. Yeah. Holmes figured might as well get some more fame after the trial. He confessed to the Hearst newspaper company and claimed to have killed at least 27 people. Uh. And they paid him $7,500 for his confession. Why? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That uh, is horrible. It's so bad, right? Oh. 
And you know that Holmes by now, he completely fabricated his quote unquote confession. And after giving the newspaper specific names of the people he killed, they found out a lot of those people were still living. Oh, my, my. Yeah. oh goodness. Okay. At one point, he claimed he was possessed by Satan. During all of this, rumors kept spreading about Holmes to the point it got crazily out of hand and that he had actually killed hundreds of people in mm. his murder castle. So that's what spread a lot. If you, you know, if you hear about H.H. H. Holmes, some people who don't know about him, they do think that he's killed hundreds of people. Hundreds of people in the murder castle. Yes, but he didn't. Yeah. He killed enough, though. I mean, dude. Oh, enough. Yeah. May 7th, 1896, Holmes was hanged at Moya Mensing Prison in Philadelphia. Before the hanging, he requested his coffin to be lined with concrete mm. and buried 10 feet deep in order to avoid grave robbers attempting to steal his body for dissection. <laughs> yes, because they would have. And during the hanging, Holmes' neck did not snap. Rather, <gasps> he strangled to death slowly oh. and twitched for over 15 minutes before oh. being pronounced dead. Wow. Oh, uh, my gosh, Nicole. <laughs> August of 1895, Holmes's murder castle was damaged by a fire in which they believe arsons doused it in gas. The building did survive that fire and remained in use until 1938 when it was torn down. Was there a crying child in it? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Today, the land holds a post office. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Lastly, okay. yeah, one of Holmes's relatives made a claim that H.H. Holmes was really Jack the Ripper and had escaped his execution because he was that slippery. So in 2017, his body was exhumed and tested because they're uh -huh. like, he was so sure. But no. sure enough, he was in there. Eerily, his clothes and oh. mustache were perfectly preserved because Ooh. of the concrete lining. Oh, yeah. Oh, so no, H.H. <laughs> Holmes was not Jack the, the Ripper. Ripper. Yeah. No. Lastly, as I mentioned, you can read a few books about him. Like I told you, Larson's Devil in the White City or Harold Schechter's The Shocking True Story of America's First Serial Killer. But I'm going to show Angela this cool newspaper clipping that they did a long oh, time ago. This wow. is the artist's renditions of all the people he murdered. Uh, except Benjamin Patezel's not in there. I don't know why. They just put all the, the that's the little boy. But. Uh, yeah. Oh, my heart. Yeah. My heart. Dude, this guy, man. Yeah, he, so uh, shady, shady, shady. Just oh, no, insane. Benjamin is right there. Sorry. Oh, he is. Okay, him. okay. This is like, he's just an insane con man that just wouldn't stop at anything. He didn't stop at anything. He was so selfish to yeah. the point where he didn't, like, no care for whatsoever. No regard. Anybody. He, they, there was no humanity in him. So I no. understand why he feels like he was possessed by the devil. Right. There's no humanity in him. No. He had no care for... No. Um, the, I wonder what did his, what his wives, cause plural, <laughs> there were three of them alive when, point. when yep. they, when he hanged yep. and then he killed what, however, two, two other, two girls, two ladies, three children, four children, mm -hmm. two, uh, four children. That's so yeah. upsetting. Oh, I'm so glad he was caught. I mean, he was a slippery little, slippery yeah, little somehow weasel. Somehow he got away with so much. It was crazy. Yeah, because he he didn't take responsibility for any of the actions no. on purpose. Like he designed all of his cons were designed so that other people would take the fall, mm -hmm. and that is so disgusting. Right. Uh, 
that's H.H. Holmes. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I crocheted my way through that one, guys, because <laughs> anytime we do a true crime, I've got to crochet my way through it. Yep, I can't. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Oh, man, if you guys enjoyed this one um, or if you just want to reach out and say hi, you can always email us at theominousstitch at gmail.com or jump on any of our social media platforms. We are on all the things and drop by and say hi. We want to talk to you. We love connecting with our audience. We love connecting with our stitchers. If you want notes on this and see that really interesting rendition of the or the, the drawing. drawing yeah that was of pretty all cool victims of all the victims yeah you can jump over to podbean podbean.com that is where we host our little uh podcast for you <laughs> i couldn't think of the word podcast <laughs> my brain i'm like oh there's so much so death. much going on <laughs> so much death ah so you can jump over to podbean.com look up the ominous stitch podcast and see this week's show notes or any other previous shows and there's also a little button you can click that says become a patron. If Yay! you're on your phone, it's a little red button that you click. Become a patron today. We love our patrons. We cannot do this without your support. So we appreciate it. We appreciate you. We love our patrons. Should we do a shout out? I feel like we oh, haven't yeah, said we have everybody's names in a long time. So let's go. Brittany. Kate. Avery. Michael. Janet. Uh, Becca. Becca. <laughs> <laughs> like, Which other one? we got them all now we got them all all right well we love you patrons yes, thank you thank so you. much for supporting us yeah. and we still have one more thing to one do one more thing i have some words about this movie Ooh, okay i'm excited are you excited yeah it's movie time This week's movie review, Fallen, released in 1998, IMDb rating of seven stars, and the synopsis, homicide detective John Hobbs witnessed the execution of serial killer Edgar Reese. Soon after the execution, the killings start again, and they are very similar to Reese's style. Okay, I love this movie, and this is why. Oh, okay. Okay. Is it the saxophone? Okay. <laughs> How did you pick that out of my brain? How did you pick that out of my brain? That is a point I wanted to bring up, but that wasn't the main point that I was going to say right now. But how come, and I think this is why you hate jazz sax. Probably. <laughs> every time in the 90s, yes. every time there's like a sexy scene. A sexy or, or people, crime. Or... Yeah, crime. Yeah, yeah there's a, it's, if it's a cop drama yes. or if there's like a love interest thing, there's always that a sax. saxophone. Yeah, the jazz sax. And I'm like, this is why she hates jazz saxophone. <laughs> I literally thought that while I was watching it and I was like I'm so gonna bring it every up every time where it was this like <laughs> serious thinking moment it was saxophone I'm like oh my god this is so bad <laughs> um, I was but... like she's good this is why she hates jazz sax <laughs> that's seriously it that's exactly what oh I was thinking but the but... point that I was going to okay. bring up is because this mm -hmm. is what demons do they are not people but they can possess people <laughs> and so therefore you should not kill them frailty <laughs> it goes in a full circle, everybody. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is an interesting where they, when he, okay, yeah, she just spoiled it, but I'm sure you've seen it, or if you haven't seen it, I go mean, watch it, it. It happens right at the beginning. I'm like, yeah, you, you catch on really quick. You catch on quick. So, yeah, the premise and the acting, I'm so glad they have all these actors in it. But yeah, that premise is there's a demon, um, Azazel, who is able to transfer from person to person by just 
touching them, mm-hmm. which is insane. But when they leave the person, they don't even remember that moment. Or yeah, moments. the person doesn't know no. that they were possessed yeah. at all. Yeah, completely blindsided by it. Right. And that's demons cannot be people. They can inhabit people. They can inhabit people. But they are not people. So therefore, you should not kill people that are possessed by demons. Because they don't know what's going on. Yeah. That's so what, okay. that's my thing with frailty. And that was my argument when we talked about that a long time ago. <laughs> this movie proves my point. You're funny. So yeah, this movie is so good. Denzel Washington at this time was making every single movie. Yes. And to be fair, he deserved it because he's such an amazing actor. So he is John Hobbs and he's awesome. There's Donald Sutherland. Mm-hmm. There's John, uh, Goodman. John Goodman. And then um, I don't know her actress's name is M. Beth Davids. But do you recognize her from Matilda? Oh, she's the teacher. Oh, yeah. She's the sweet teacher. Yes. So that was her. Okay. James Gandolfini's in it. Yes. Like, there's so many good actors at this moment and um, they just do such a good job with it. And and it's just so amazing that they come with this story and they weave it to the point where it's like a repetitive story of in this demon and cops and people on earth being, you know, fought, fighting these demons. Oh, it's so fun. I love this movie. <laughs> um, and yeah, besides the jazz saxophone, it's, it's just the cinematography and everything is really good on it, too. Yeah, it's it's a great, great story. And you get to see how the the demon tortures the people that it's like the people that it's hunting so it's torturing Hobbes big time right and uh, it's uh it's and it's only because when you notice them and they're good when you're a good person and you notice them they're going to torture you and kill you and your family yeah just crazy they're gonna come after you because they don't like people yeah because God favored them instead God favored people over them angels yeah Yeah, and so that's why the angels fell and yeah so good <sighs> i love this movie and i totally forgot about it until it was like it popped up on something i was like this ties into our episode uh-huh, really well uh-huh. right um so yeah i just uh, i'm so glad we got to rewatch this movie yeah i have to give this the opposite stitches um from <laughs> frailty, frailty because this movie <laughs> proves my point to a t it's like so, oh this is angel's movie yeah so even though <laughs> I don't think it's really 25 stitches. I'm going to give it 25 since I gave the other one negative 25. You have to balance it out. I have to balance it out. You're so cute. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Um, I'd give it, I'd give it an eight and a half. This is such a good movie. Maybe even a nine, just because I could probably watch this over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, You know what happens? I mean, like once it's like Sixth Sense where it's like it, once you find out what happens, it's like, oh, the magic kind of is a little bit gone, but still like. Well, no, the way that it messes with him and then the whole thing in the ending though. Yes. There is a twist at the ending. Yeah. 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 So, so that's why I'm saying it's like six cents where it's like, you know what happens and you're like, dang it. Like, yeah. you know, so you're expecting it. But at least, oh, OK. So yeah. once you've seen it yes. and you rewatch it, it ruins the a like, little I, bit. Of I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha, you. Exactly. Gotcha. But it's still so good. That's what I'm saying. Like, yes. I would I still watch this over and over again yes. because, yeah, I just love the storytelling and I love just the whole the whole everything. I love yes. it. I love it. It's so good. So, yeah, there's my stitches. And I I. Yes, I could stitch to this, but um, sometimes I'd have to watch it because some things that I'd miss. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. shoot. You probably want to watch that part. Yeah. So. No, I was definitely stitching on this. I mean, I was, <laughs> I had a lot of crochet to he catch He was like, one. I got to get through this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, great movie. I'm so glad we watched Yay. it. Yay. Well, this was another challenging episode for me, but I'm so glad that we went through it. I didn't know anything about him. So this is like, 
that's what I love that. Yeah. Yeah. True crime is tough for us, but it's kind of interesting to revisit and everybody else likes true crime. (laughs) (laughs) I love our stitchers. We do this for you. (laughs) Nicole tortures me with the the true crime just for you guys. But anyway, so we've come to another amazing end of another amazing episode. Amazing. 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 All right. Until next time, we will see you stitchers. See you stitchers. (laughs) 